This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast. And this morning, we have quite the treat. I have my co-host, Jamie Zaman. She is the founder and president of Titan CEO. And our guest this morning is Jason Dunn. He's the president of DAX, D-A-C-S, Asphalt and Concrete. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you so much, Jason, for being on the show. Good morning. Jason, tell us a little bit about your company and who you serve. Great. So DAX Asphalt and Concrete is one of the largest and fastest growing pavement reconstruction and maintenance firms serving the front range of Colorado. So we serve uh, commercial property owners and, and really commercial property managers typically across the front range, all things pavement. So that's one of the largest spending categories they have per year in terms of maintenance items. And so whether it's us having to repave an entire apartment complex parking lot or take care of a single broken piece of curb and gutter from a snowplow, we take care of that for our customers. I think anybody goes, you know, in like in the parking lot out here, you go through, there's a pothole and periodically the crew shows up, right? And so that's a really interesting niche paving market. What drove you to that particular niche? Yeah, so a few things are special about this market. One is it's just a darn good business itself. I was a business analyst for over 20 years, and so I'm accustomed to looking for characteristics and businesses that make them great, sustainable generators of free cash flow, uh, kind of in my old lingo. But one of the things that really attracted me to this business, too, is it's a low bar industry. This is blue collar world where my competitors oftentimes were growing up in concrete and asphalt and then doing their best as business owners once they grew an attractive firm. So if you bring business sophistication, especially from outside of this industry, into this world, it gives you an ability to pretty easily differentiate for the customer. The customer recognizes it and makes it an exciting opportunity for us. And so for you, when you say front range, what's the furthest north you go? And what's the furthest south that you go? Yeah, great question. It's a little bit nebulous, but I would say generally it's Colorado Springs to Fort Collins. We'll go down as far south as Pueblo if needed. And my teams actually just in the last month got, got finished with an overnight, nearly camping trip through the mountains because we were serving some convenience stores that 17 of this same branded store needed work throughout the mountain area. And so we packed up the crews, overnighted them, and got that work done. So we can be moving around, but typically it's Colorado Springs to, to Fort Collins. Super. So Jason, first of all, we're so excited to recognize you as a 2020 Titan 100 for this year. I've got a copy of the book in which you were profiled in. And this book recognizes 100 of Colorado's top CEOs and C-level executives, 100 titans of industry. And being a titan of industry is about finding your niche, right? And so you have definitely found that in what you're doing. But I'd like to ask you, what characteristics do you believe that it takes to really be considered a titan of industry? Yeah, thanks, Jamie. And you've done such a wonderful job on this program, so I'm honored to be a part of it. It's been great to get to know you and, and all the other folks that you have inducted into this program, so thank you. In terms of what it takes to be a Titan industry, as you call it, I would think first and foremost is humility. You've got to have a passion for learning. You've got to continuously be trying to improve yourself, and then therefore you can lead by example. You've got to be able to be willing to lead from the front. So when there's problems in your business, you got to be ready to get out there on the front lines and deal with them, regardless of whether or not you have the answer. And, and then I'd say those are the most important characteristics that have served us well. I love what you talk about leading from the front. 
in times of adversity. And I'm sure that this year with COVID, it's been quite a challenge, right, in leading from the front. Do you have any specific examples of how you've navigated that by leading from the front? Yeah, I think one of the things that really helped us, and it's easier to say in retrospect, because the time was just tumultuous. I feel so much for all small business owners. I mean, so many people suffered through this, but small business in general just has faced unprecedented challenges during this time. So lots of empathy for everybody out there in the world operating during this time. But I think something that helped for us is to take a step back and go, how can we continue to add value to our customers' lives in this time where everything's upside down? And so a small example of that, which may seem a little bit outside of asphalt and concrete, is we created a distribution list of included a lot of our customers, included a lot of our partners that are all small business owners generally. Even our customers fit that domain. And we created a list to start teaching them about the PPP program, the EIDL program, how to get through the processes of finding these funds. And it wasn't just about the selfish interest of like, as long as our customers are stocked with cash, maybe they'll keep spending money with us. But it was really about just all of us being able to provide answers for each other, stay relevant in each other's minds, be able to help ourselves through this tough period. And then, yeah, it does have great business consequence afterwards, because I think our partners got to see it wasn't about making that thousandth cold call during this time, which I say cold, may have been a warm call, but it probably felt pretty darn cold. You're trying to make a sales pitch during April and May. And we saw we all got inundated with those emails. And instead, we said, screw it. It's, that's not what our customers seeking to do right now is go spend money on the pavement. They're seeking to survive. So let's talk to them about what's relevant. The same things that are relevant for us as a small business owner. How do we find capital? How do we navigate these times? Let's share the information we've got. So we tried to take that perspective, and I think we built our relationships that much deeper during those tougher times. And we ended up finding lots of ways to work together with our customers that were mutually beneficial. I love that. What an incredible way to lead that willingness to lean in and to really support your customers, your clients. That's an awesome example. So thanks for sharing that. I think that's a testament kind of to the, like the mastermind approach, you know, of cooperate and graduate, for lack of a better term, you know, in the former military side, but bringing in all your stakeholders, your partners, your suppliers, your customers and all that to bring that solution. You know, the COVID revealed character. It didn't necessarily create character. And I think you see that kind of character in the various activities like you're talking about is going, you know, like we're here to help. And I think that's a real credit to what you're trying to do. And, you know, to kind of segue, your path into the asphalt and paving world is, I would say, somewhat atraditional, asymmetric, not really. And so what I was really interested in is, given your previous career, when you came home with the thought in mind going, you know, to your spouse going, you know, I think I want to take and buy DAX. Walk us through your journey from what you did before to the point where you're going like, this is what I think I want to do. I'd love to hear the story. Hi, right, Bob. Thanks. So take a step back. I was fortunate to have found my passion early, which was in the money management business and in the investment management business. I'd had a small bit of money that my single mom and I had for me to go to college on. I put it with a stockbroker that was a friend and a chunk of that money got lost pretty quick. <laughs> And I went, whoa, and it turned out I learned this person was more of a salesperson than they were an investment professional. Decided I'm never trusting anybody with my money again. And I wanna know what it is that you can do to grow, to make and grow money. 
So I was handed a book uh, at that time when I was 18 years old on Warren Buffett. I read that book and thought, this is something I could do. I get what he's doing at Berkshire Hathaway in the creation of this business. It's not that difficult. It's hard, but not that complex, I guess I should say. At least this was my impression at the time and was lucky enough that we had a practitioner of so-called value investing in Memphis at scale and them operating mostly in the mutual fund world in Memphis, Tennessee, where I grew up. So I was able to con my way into a job there very early on while I was in college and generated a 15-year career out of that. I uh, ended up leaving that business 15 years later, uh, managing uh, $6 billion for them. We had, we'd grown to about $45 billion at our peak. It was a, a wonderful experience. During that time, was a generalist analyst and eventually portfolio manager, but most of the time it was just as a business analyst, trying to find ideas for investment. And so the great thing about that as a generalist is you're getting to study innumerable wonderful businesses, some bad businesses too, <laughs> and get to see as well wonderful operators of businesses and what they have in common. And of course, along the way too, trying to read as much as possible to find out those who've been successful, how they've been successful. And so it, of course, started that thought, which is you're an analyst, you're watching something, these little beautiful pieces of art get created all over the place. And you start to wonder, could I run one of those? Could I be successful in business myself? As opposed to just studying businesses, can I do it? And so, so that seed, I think, started to develop fairly early on. But especially as we got into the late, say, post the housing crisis, after the Fed printed about $4 trillion to get us out of there, and that affected values as they existed in public markets, where I really wasn't finding that much in public markets that excited me, like I did when I first got started in this business. We ended up deciding in 2017, after holding a bunch of cash for a long time, hey, look, the public markets are not our hunting ground anymore. So we gave back the money. We told our clients we were deeply appreciative and good luck. And I took a step back to say, where does value still exist? That was after taking about three months off and just doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is my passion. <laughs> but after that time, taking that kind of global look, I saw acquisitions, especially between like the $2 million and $8 million range were interesting. They were too big for most individuals to be able to afford themselves. They were too small for private equity to really care about. So there was sort of this like a zone where there wasn't a lot of obvious buyers. And even worse, a seller of that business is typically a founder who's coming out, who was a critical part of operating that business. So they're not, they don't need, need just money to buy the business. They need someone willing to come in and operate. So you can see where this might have connected to that earlier desire to test myself. And so I searched along the front range where my family wanted to live, to say 80 deals, and fell in love with one, which was Dax Asphalt and Concrete. It had the characteristics that really matched up to the long list of characteristics I had desired in a business after studying business for 20 plus years and was lucky enough to be able to affect that purchase. And that brought me to the asphalt and concrete world. Wow. I love hearing just about the passion that it started, that started from you from the ground up and how continuing to invest in that passion led you down this path, which gave you this awesome, incredible opportunity to run it. So it's just an, an awesome story when you look at the road, right? On how someone gets to where they are in that seat. And it also is a reminder to everybody that, it's never too late in life to change course or to continue to follow a different road and a different path to your passion. So thank you for sharing that specific example with us. I can't even imagine like you get into the company and you're like, 
yeah, let's go. There had to be some kind of initiative that you took initially when you got into the seat here of CEO that's really helped propel you or take the business to the next level. So could you share maybe some insight into that? Absolutely. That first year was just tough. (laughs) No, No two ways around it. And talking about humbling, if you ever want to be humbled, step out of a world where you have 20 plus years of experience and some level of credibility and maybe some confidence built, step into a world where you know nothing. (laughs) And so I felt bad for my people at the time, but the reality was when I did step into the role as manager of this business, my people had to recognize, hey, we have inherited a leader who doesn't have background. And even worse, in this business, I think in the blue-collar world, this may be fairly common, they were accustomed to hearing an answer from the manager. may not be an informed answer, may not be the right answer, but it's at least an answer. And I'm much more comfortable with the idea of being transparent about what you don't know. Let's go find the best answer. If I don't know it, let's go find it. And we'll learn along the way and everything will be okay. That actually turned out to be a very destabilizing approach (laughs) in this world, at least when it was first introduced. So The bottom line of 2018 was, hang on, I'm not as dumb as I look, give me a little bit of time, and we're going to find a really beautiful way forward. And then I'd say by the winter, after the busy season was over with, we began implementing the traction EOS process. I've been lucky enough also during that 2018 period to have some disasters happen, small disasters, but disasters nonetheless, that I could step into and help lead us out of. And that when you're fighting in the trenches with your team, that's where you really build that feeling of team. And so my team members started to feel that with me. I think there was team, a sense of team that came into the winter, a sense of trust that was beginning to build. And that set us up for the foundation of being able to really propel ourselves in 2019 and beyond. When I hear you talk about what that transition was like, you talked a lot about going to find the answers. I don't know the answers, but we're going to find them together. That speaks a lot to the characteristic of a Titan, which is humility that you mentioned earlier. And you proved that with your team. And that was a good contributor to the trust that you were able to build with them and ultimately lead them forward. I'm just connecting some of the dots here. So, Well, if I can add one thing in my investment career, I got to watch two individuals in particular take advantage of this in, in maybe a slightly different way, but I think it's the same concept. But watching Warren Buffett and studying Warren Buffett build Berkshire Hathaway, and then someone who perhaps is less known in, in our circles, but what he's done is incredible, a, a man named Prem Watsa, who has built a company called Fairfax out of Toronto and Canada, now a $15 billion public company. He's been a mentor of mine. Watching what they've done, which is they have tried to find the best operators of business that they can. And by acquisition, they brought the businesses and their leaders into their various folds at Berkshire and Fairfax, but they've set up the conditions for those business leaders to be successful, which is basically getting out of their way. So I do think for me, it's always in the back of my mind that it's like, look, I don't have to have all the answers as a manager. I just need to be able to identify those people who are truly good at what it is that we are trying to execute and partner with them and set up conditions where they can be successful, get out of their way, and then we can all win together and also have fun in doing so. You know, one of the questions, you know, is pretty much along the script we were talking about. The other one is, how did you get out of Memphis with no accent? (laughs) My kids this weekend 
I had my oldest daughter, my oldest twin by 60 seconds, said, Dad, who are you on the phone with? I hear your Southern accent. And I'd been on the phone with my dad. So it comes back as soon as I talk to family. I guess somehow I got washed out along the way, though. Yeah, I, I grew up in Tennessee, Alabama, and Florida. Oh, and, it's, right. and it comes back like mold. I mean, you oh, talk yeah. and you go like, you're talking to relatives. Anyways, I had to pick on you. So I'll say y'all a few times. How y'all doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, for you, you know, as you show up on, in the day-to-day -day operation of the company, you look at the process of focus and self-talk and discipline. What are your rituals or, or self-talk dialogue that keeps you going and focused and pointed in the direction that you've got in mind? Yeah, great question. Some of this is going to sound mundane, but starting off the morning right is critical for me. So every morning, almost every morning looks the same, which is the wake up, the preparation of the caffeine injection, which <laughs> right now is tea, not coffee, and that's better for me. But I do a group of activation exercises that basically get my body ready to do what I do most, which is sitting, for better or worse, especially these days with Zoom calls and whatnot. We sit a lot in our day. I sit a lot in my truck as I commute across our broad work area, seeing projects. Um, I do a meditation uh, practice every morning, and then I also do journaling every morning, which is critical for me. And if I can get through that morning routine, which you know takes about 30 minutes, I'm set up for my day because I can enter the day with gratitude, which is really a goal is to exit that session feeling grateful for what I have in my life. And then I can also enter the day with a neutrality. So when I do have challenges come, I'm ready with all my tools. I'm not charged. I'm just ready to be able to deal with what comes in front of me. And so that's been tremendously helpful. I was going to say, I hear so many CEOs and entrepreneurs talk about the tremendous benefits of meditation, journaling, self-reflection, visualization, as you put your mantras out to attract to the universe the things that you are visioning for yourself. So it's refreshing to hear that you do it as well as you go through things. So switching gears a little bit, you guys have been in business for... Dax has been in business for how long now? So Dax was founded in 2014. 2014, okay. And then I acquired the business in uh, April of 2018. Okay, so but roughly six years that it's been in operation, two years for sure with you at the helm. What belief or protocol have you established in your company with respect to the market that you deliver value? And what's most impacted your company and why? with regards to that? So I hinted at this when we talked about how we made it through COVID. And this may sound a little soft, but it's very real. We try to take the approach that every time someone comes in contact with DAX, be that a phone call, a meeting, a request, they should, their day should get a little bit better. They should have gained some value in that process of interacting with us. And it should make them happy to interact with us again. So let me give some specific examples of that. I think it's easy to see from the customer side, customer outreach and, and our business, let's say with our competitive set, can sometimes just that be met with frustration. Despite the fact that it's a customer reaching out to you, perhaps wanting to spend money with your business, in our world, they may encounter the difficulty of reaching a vendor, the difficulty of getting an email returned, a phone call answered, finding the right person, getting that person to show up at the meeting on time that they said they would or show up to, and do the project when they said they would. Obviously for us at DAX, that's the no-brainer way we differentiate is that the customer experience is terrific. 
But it goes beyond that. Like, let's look at employees. In the blue collar world, especially, so many of our crews show up thinking that their employer only cares about one thing, the work they get done in exchange for that hourly rate, and there's no other thought that goes into that crew member. That's where we differentiate significantly at DAX. Our culture goes from top to bottom. Our crews, it is constantly reinforced that the only reason we continue to win work is because of the quality of what they're putting out in the field. So when we see great jobs done, we're constantly going back and reinforcing that foreman just crushed it today. Here's how we celebrate him. We celebrate him in front of the group. And it ties back in so that they can connect what they're doing on the daily to our broader vision, which everybody knows throughout the company. But then subtleties too, which this one surprised me. Vendors. We pay our bills on time. In our world, that is something that is rare. Our vendors, our largest vendors, spend a lot of their time. I have one of my, my favorite contract contacts at, at our Colorado, largest Colorado independent aggregate provider. And he spends, he's told me he spends his holidays having to chase down my competitors to get them to pay their receivables so he can get his bonus. It's just a disaster for him. And so for us, it's like one of our key measurables, you know, we talk about a scorecard and attraction EOS sense, is payables plus one. If we have a payable that is one day past due, we're eating in our competitive advantage. Because what ends up happening is we get asphalt deals, concrete deals that are as good as companies that are 10 times our size because our vendors want to do business with us. When our vendors uh, receive hot leads on business in our space, they direct them to us because the more business they direct our way, the better their lives get. So I communicate to all of our people, we are trying to make sure that everybody who interacts with us, we make their life just a little bit better every day. So they want to continue to be in our sphere. And it creates this ecosystem of winners that also just is a nice place to be. You know, as I listen, a couple of things come to my mind. As you look at your previous life, and there was the day-to-day things and the maxims that you always used and your routines, you know, and then you have this Petri dish of this company that you buy. And you go, you know what, I want to apply my theories and premise, and I think I can do this too. You know, of all the things that you put in at DAX, there was probably one or two things you go, you know, I read that this works, but I'm not altogether convinced. Is there one of those that you put in place that you were pleasantly surprised that it works so well? That's an interesting question. Uh, You know, I come back to traction so much because it's been so impactful to us. I've said this so many times, I'm assuming uh, folks have, uh, many folks have heard about it, but if you haven't, this is a book series that's come out by Gino Wickman and, and his compatriots in this world that is a complete business system. EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. I was given this book, I read this book, and a lot of our employees who come in say the same thing. Well, I read the book and it's just common sense. It's the way I've always done things. Really? Is it? Oh, really? Yeah, what, really? What you thought you were doing, but if you really applied it in that way, I have been shocked that reading this and applying EOS to our business has been as impactful as it has. You know, you read so many of these books and you're like, and they make so many proclamations about the wonderful things that are going to happen if you just follow this advice. In the case of traction and EOS, it's been true. And it is so refreshing because especially, again, coming to this business with a humble mind and having already the business process, set of processes that I need to be able to be successful, be available for implementation in our business, and be us be able to develop a work of art around these standard practices, that is a gift. So it's been way better than expected. 
not trying to do an advertisement. For them. No, it's like having a printed mentor. I mean, what a gift. What a gift. So with that, we have to talk about outside of work. What are your other passions outside of work? So, of course, my family is a tremendous passion. I've got three uh, wonderful girls, all teenagers, and my wife. And with my wife, something really exciting, and not only is she an interesting person in her own right and pursuing a career in counseling, she's getting her master's right now, but we share a common passion, which is so special. My wife, unfortunately, is better than me, better than me at this endeavor, which is a little humbling as well, uh, but Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I came to find Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when I was 40 years old, four years ago, and it has been transformative in our lives. Uh, not only has it been you know, physically something that's been wonderful to keep us in shape, but I've built a community of friends that I could have never imagined that, you know, as strong as it is. It's such a wonderful thing too, in that it's a cross section of humanity. I mean, whether I'm fighting a doctor or fighting a marijuana farmer, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we engage in this sport. It's extremely complex. It's difficult, challenging, fun. We get up from each match going, man, I love you. <laughs> you know? It's a special intimate sport that has been uh, terrific for my family. All three of my girls practice it as well. I love hearing the fact that your girls are involved. That's awesome. So, Jamie, we've been picking on Jason for a while. <laughs> Thank you for putting up with us. I get enthused when I hear of passionate business owners. I'm a fan of business owners, obviously. Wouldn't have done Business Leaders Podcast without it. Wouldn't have met Jamie. Without it, wouldn't have met you, you know, without going through and, and focusing on the business owner. I appreciate their contribution. You know, they're the driver of the economy. They do most of the employment of the people in the country. You know, and I think about the ripple effect of the principles you bring to your business, to your employees. You know, they look at and you're developing that next apprenticeship level by teaching and walking the talk. And I think that's really important. And so hats off to you for doing that. And so, Jamie, with that, I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah, thanks, Bob. and Jason. It's just been so great interviewing you and listening to you. I mean, I love your passion and you can just tell when you speak from the heart and it's exciting to read about your journey in Titan 100 book. And for those of you that are listening or watching, you can go to www.titan100.biz to learn more about Jason's story and the other Colorado Titan 100 as they're recognized on that page. And Jason, any last hearting words, you know, sort of quotes that you live by as we wrap up today? I can't call a specific quote because I'm reading as much as I can and taking as much as I can from those books. But I do want to just say thank you to both of you. Jamie, as I've said before, I think you just do a tremendous job with the Titan program. Been so happy to be a part of that. Bob, great to meet you this morning. And I had fun, the, fun with the uh, discussion. One of the things says for the folks that are up and down the front range, you're going like, yes, I do have some work that I need to have done. How do they find you, Jason? What's the way for oh, them? Oh, great. Thanks yeah. for that. So uh, you can find us online at dax.co, and that's not .com.co. Eventually, we'll be able to purchase that .com. Right? You can find our website there, get more information about us. Also, give us a phone call, which our number is there. So we would we'd love to interact with any of those commercial property owners or commercial property managers out there looking for a good vendor. Super. Well, we certainly appreciate your time and uh, wish you the best of success for what's left of 2020. Thank you both. You too. All right. Thanks, Jason. Have a great day. You too. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.